It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Off the face off, McKinnon and LeBanc pushing and shoving here as the play back behind the Colorado goal. And looks like LeBanc wants to go with McKinnon here. Kevin LeBanc fuming in the direction of. LeBanc, and it looks like they're going to let him fight. Here we go. LeBanc with a right, right to the noggin of McKinnon. McKinnon coming back. McKinnon definitely bigger, finally dragging LeBanc down. But kudos to Kevin LeBanc for connecting a couple of times. That's the Staten Island savvy against the size and strength of Nova Scotia on that one. They're a good hockey team, and I thought Grubauer played well, made some big saves at the right time. Yeah, I think we could probably generate some more offense. Uh, you know, we got a lot of young guys playing in a lineup that haven't played together at certain lines, and you know, and and we started, we we finished the differently than we started, and uh, you know, we had a look there on a power play, some looks on our power play tonight, and we uh, didn't get that bounce. The offside was unfortunate. I thought it was good. You know, we battled hard tonight. It's not that uh, you, you know we're playing a, one of the best teams in the league. I didn't think we got you know outplayed badly or anything like that. We just couldn't find the goal we needed and you know our, our penalty kill uh, um, early on uh, you know even even the chances that we let in were two sifters from a car that uh, were not necessarily a chances so uh, maybe do a better job of blocking those but um, you know all in all I thought that uh, you know we executed defensively we just need to execute more offensively all right good morning everyone I think that one played out last night pretty much as we all expected it to Colorado is a very very good hockey team and the Sharks are not And if I was to sum up what happened in that game, I would say that the Sharks played pretty darn well. I would say that the Avalanche played that much better. Like you heard Bob Bugner bringing us in there, the Sharks didn't get played off the ice. The Sharks played a pretty good game. What the Sharks did not do was score on the power play. The power play for the Sharks right now is non-existent. What the Avs did was score two out of four of their power play opportunities. Those two goals coming pretty quickly in the first period, and that changed the entire dynamic of the game, and it looked like a lot of what we saw in that eight-game losing streak when the Sharks fell behind early, and then suddenly they're on the road chasing a game, and if you fall behind the Colorado Avalanche 2-0 in the first period in their house, it's probably not going to end well for you, but You have to look at the positives and you have to look at the negatives. And I thought that when you're playing with a lot of new and or younger or inexperienced Sharks out there on the ice with Chakovich, with True, with Yarosh, as well as a Barabanov, you are ultimately using this game to evaluate. And I don't think that's the wrong thing to do right now. I think the Sharks should be trying to evaluate to see exactly what they have. But that doesn't mean that it's any easier to watch the team lose. No, you look at that and you say, my God, If the power play could do anything, the Sharks would be in this game because they had their opportunities on the power play. Four times they went on the man advantage. 
and they came up empty-handed yet again. It's the same story game after game after game after game after game right now. Not only do good teams execute at critical moments of the game, not only do they take advantage of opportunities, they make life easy on themselves. And when you score on a power play, you make life easier for yourself, and the Sharks aren't doing that in the slightest. And the thing is, is the power play actually looked like it was getting better over the course of that game. It actually looked like they were finding a little bit more rhythm. The puck was moving better. They were creating more chances. They were creating more opportunities. They just still are not finding the back of the net. But, you know, when I'm looking at guys out there on the ice in this game that are younger, uh, and maybe not maybe not even younger isn't always the right term to use for every single one of these guys, but less experienced. I mean, let's let's talk about the defense. Mario Ferraro is in his second year in the NHL. Yarosh, he did get some run in the 2018-2019 season with Ottawa playing 61 games, but he's inexperienced as a Shark, and he's relatively younger. Kanijov, he's a guy who played three games last year, and he's played 50 games this year, and he's looked pretty good. I've been rather impressed with Kanijov over the course of this season. I thought that he's stepped into the role that he's been given rather nicely, and he's taking advantage of his opportunities. Then you look at a relatively inexperienced guy with the Sharks and Barabanov, and you see the immediate skill that he brings to the table. I like what he's doing. Balsers, relatively younger, relatively inexperienced with the Sharks. I think his performance over the course of the season has been pretty good. Chakovic, obviously, we don't know as much about him. I thought that his game kind of was a little bit nervous. He's 22 years old. You kind of expect that to be the case, but I thought that he settled in and looked a little bit more comfortable as the game went on. Alexander True is another guy. He's played 16 games in the NHL. Big body, 6'5", 200 pounds. I think there's a lot of potential there. We just haven't seen the whole picture yet. So you view these guys getting their opportunities, and you have to say, is that a good thing right now? Because it's not like the team is battling for a playoff spot. I know they are not mathematically eliminated, but the writing was on the wall over the course of that eight-game losing streak, and whether or not you want to accept that, I don't know what to do for you. I think it was pretty clear that when you lose eight consecutive games at the most critical moment of the season, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. I mean, again, they're not mathematically eliminated, but that's not that's not the vantage with, with which with I am viewing the Sharks right now. I am looking at them as a team right now that are continuing on that trend of reset, which Doug Wilson uh, really didn't try to mince words about what they were doing. It's not a rebuild. They're not getting rid of all their big players and their big contracts and things like that. He likes the core guys here, and he wants to reset and build around it. And so they're, they're doing that right now. They're getting a look at all these players. And I don't hate what I am seeing in any way, shape, or form. I'm not in love with everybody's performance right now, and I don't really know a lot about all of their game. But Barabanov, even though he is not as young as some of the other guys, but he is relatively inexperienced, I like what he's brought to the Sharks so far and think there's a role for him going forward. I like what I've seen from Kanijov. I like what I saw in limited capacity um, from True. I mean, we just, we're not making our minds on these guys right now. We're giving ourselves a better opportunity to make up our minds later. And so Doug Wilson and the entire front office staff and the coaching staff can look at players and say, based on what we've seen, we can we can extrapolate all these different ideas about the players they are and about the players they can develop into and what we can do to keep them from falling you know, off the path and turning into players that don't make an impact. And I think that's the most important thing that we're looking at right now. And I thought that the Sharks, even though we don't see some top-level you know, superstar in the making, you also never know when that's going to come from. You don't know when a guy's game is suddenly going to turn on. I go back to a guy like Joe Pavelski. 
I don't think anybody was looking at him to become one of the premier goal scorers of his time. That just kind of happened, and that can happen for anybody. I'm not saying you should be hoping for that to happen because hope is not a strategy, but I think my point is you have to let guys develop their games. What you don't want to fall into the trap of, and this happens in all sports, is when you look at a player and you think, oh, he looks good. Does he look good because he's on a bad team and isn't surrounded by very much talent? Or does he look good because his performance versus the opposition actually yields positive results? I think with Barabanov, we can say his performance is good because we watch him against the opposition and it yields results. With the other guys, I don't think you know as much. Now, Kanijov, we've had a little bit of a greater sample size watching him over the course of the year. And I think that you immediately look at that there's a lot to work with there and that his ceiling is relatively high. You're not ready to make that type of an assessment with a guy like True or with a Chakovich or with a Balsers who's relatively inexperienced. And I don't think anybody on the Sharks coaching staff or front office is looking at these guys and making immediate assessments. What they're doing is trying to gain a greater clarity on what the player is. And I go back to the idea that something has to happen where you maximize what this season represents. The season does not represent a deep run into the playoffs or an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. The season served as an opportunity for guys like Evander Kane to refine aspects of their game, where he stayed out of the box much, much more and continued to be an effective goal scorer. And maybe now Bob Bugner looks at Eric Carlson and has a better idea of what he can do going forward and how he can best utilize his game. There's a lot of things the Sharks can do to look at this season and maximize the juice for the squeeze, as it were. How can you get the most out of a year where you're not going to the playoffs, barring a miracle, and where you don't look like it's been a great team? And I think a lot of us were expecting that, and that was why the the viewpoint the entire year was to fight for that fourth and final spot in the West. But right now, it's about evaluating the talent and seeing what you can do going forward, evaluating what your system has, evaluating what you don't have, figuring out your best path forward. And I know... The immediate retort to that is, well, Ted, why weren't they doing this earlier in the year? Earlier in the year, they were playing for a playoff spot. And I still think they are, quote unquote, playing for a playoff spot. It's just extremely unlikely. And in light of that unlikely nature, you have to do what is best for the franchise. But I don't think this team has given up. I still think they're playing just as hard as ever. I think they had a tough task going in at altitude to Denver to take on one of the best teams in the league. It was not their worst performance of the year, but it certainly wasn't their most spark-filled performance. But it was overall a good fight that they put up because they're going to fight to the end. These guys, their pride, their egos, they're not just going to lay down. They want to play to win. And you can't just scuttle the ship early in the year because you don't think you're going to be that good. You can't do it 18 games in. You're sending a bad message to your players. You're sending a bad message to your fans. You're sending a bad message everywhere by saying, hey, we're just going to develop talent. And it's what I always go back to. I know that it may be sometimes the right move to make, but in the Bay Area, in a hyper-competitive market, you can't just scuttle the ship because people move on. I wish it was just a case of where people would were expected to stick on and watch the team and thick or thin because that's our team and we bleed teal and no i mean the bay area the the fans here are too smart they're not going to buy into that you play to win until the writing on the wall is obvious that you're not going to win and then you take advantage of the opportunity to maximize the season that's what's happening right now an interesting question was asked in the post game in light of a positive performance as of late from sasha shemilevsky who had 
gotten a look with the Sharks uh, earlier this year. But Bob Bugner was asked what it takes for guys on the Barracuda right now to get these looks in the NHL. Well, you know, Sasha got a little taste of it this year being on a taxi, got a couple games and, uh, um, you know, we thought it'd be better for him to go down and, 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 you know, and play and not sit around here. And, and he has, and he's continually got better. You know, I know the other night he had another game where he got a goal assist in a fight, you know, so he's playing hard. He's playing with all he has and he's, he's finding his offense now down there. And that's really what it's about. It's tough to, you know, develop in, in, in the NHL, you know, when you're in these tough buildings against these tough teams, you, you got to go down and you got to, you know, you, you got to have some success at the American. American League uh, level first, and then when you get up here, um, your confidence is uh, your confidence is in a spot where you never stop learning, you never stop developing. But uh, um, you need the base, and the and, and the only way to get that base is down there playing a lot of minutes and not not sitting here playing six seven minutes a night. So that's the plan with him, and, and I'm glad he's taking advantage of it. And uh, um, you know, it looks like he's uh, turning himself into a, a good pro. And I think he's right. You have to let these guys build their confidence. You have to let them get an opportunity at the American League level to refine their game to a point where they can test it against the guys in the NHL who are the ultimate test. But that's the thing. Once you get this guy at a confident enough place, you have to ask yourself, okay, now that he is here in the NHL, maybe if he's not on that level yet, do we see something we can develop into a player who can be on that level? And I don't mean you're going against that top Colorado line as the expectation. I just mean, can you put them out and have them help you win a game? Can you use them as players around that core of Couture and Kane and Hurdle and Carlson and use those guys to improve the team? And I think that's what they're doing right now. They're looking at them with these players, with these other guys. That's why you're seeing, you know, Chakovic up there on that top line. You know, you get to see how Balsers looks with Couture. You get to see how Barabanov looks with Hurdle and Kane or Meyer with True. I mean, that's just what they're doing right now. You're trying to see what you can do with the mix and match and these guys' talents, now they complement and or supplement what the Sharks currently have. And Bugner gave his thoughts on Chakovich. Yeah, I put him on the big line to start. And, uh, um, you know, I thought there was a couple turnovers, but, you know, he was okay after that. I think it was more nerves. He settled down after that. And, uh, you know, he played fine. I think that uh, um, it's it's a first game for him. And, and uh, you know, again, it's uh, you know, a tough situation to come into. But, uh, no, I thought, he, uh, I thought he settled down as the game went on. And that settling in doesn't just take one game. It doesn't just take a couple of periods. That takes time. That takes several games. And for some guys, it takes, you know, a rookie season to see them turn into the player you want them to develop into. And you shouldn't expect it to happen overnight. And I don't think the Sharks are looking at this and expecting these guys to settle in overnight. But again, you saw over the course of one game, a guy look more and more comfortable and more capable out there on the ice. That's exactly what you want to see. You want to know that a guy can handle the pressures, the bright lights, and the intensity of the NHL because there's nothing else like it. And you only find that out by putting these guys out there in this situation when you feel they are ready. You don't want to destroy a guy's confidence. You don't want to make them feel like they're not capable, like they're not able to do it. That's why you don't see them getting a quick hook. That's why you don't see them getting, you know, benched and getting overall just yelled at. They get an opportunity to come up, they get their minutes, and they get evaluated. And they know for as many players, hopefully, as possible heading into this offseason exactly what they need to work on, exactly what they need to focus on to turn themselves and for the Sharks to turn their players into the guys that are going to help them win in the future. This isn't a comparable situation to Kaprizov with the Wild or something like that. These are younger and more raw players that the Sharks are working with and trying to see what exactly they have. And I don't hate what I'm seeing. 
I don't love it, but I don't hate it. And I don't think that's a terrible place to be viewing your prospects, your next generation guys. They're not always going to make their impact immediately felt. It takes time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk more about that power play for the Sharks or really lack thereof. You're on Morning Tide. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Yeah, we had some looks. We had a couple bang-bang plays down off their goal line in the slot. Um, you know, we we had some looks. I mean, you know, Grubauer made the saves he needed to make at the right times. And, uh, you know, I think they got a boost back from Rantanen and, and Donskoy and, and Grubauer back in the lineup. And, uh, um, you know, they're, again, they're a good hockey team. But 5-5, five and five, I thought, you know, they're going to get their chances. Um, but I thought we were okay five on five against them. It was, uh, you know, came down to a little bit of a special teams, and uh, um, you know, unfortunately, we ended up on the wrong side of it. But uh, you know, there was there were some good things out there, and uh, you know, these young guys that are playing on the road in a tough building against a good team. Um, you know, there's quite a few fans here tonight, so there's some atmosphere here, and it's a good experience for them. That's Bob Bugner bringing us back in on a Saturday morning, the first of May, here on Morning Side. The power play did get better as the game went on, so I guess that's the encouraging sign, but it's not exactly a good place to be where looking better as opposed to actually scoring goals is viewed as a positive, but I don't know. I mean, we talked about heading into that two-game set against Arizona where you had to break it down into baby steps where you had to play good for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, one period, two period, three periods. I mean, maybe right now the Sharks have to break it down like that on the power play where they have to work on having, you know, dangerous opportunities created. Really just start small and build from there. And I think over the course of the game, you saw a power play that was doing better with puck movement. I think that's one of the most important things. Even early in the year, when the Sharks' power play was at its best in those first couple of games where they kind of jumped out and the power play was working, it was because the puck was moving so well. And there was a lot of movement around the puck and guys we're creating space for themselves, and we haven't seen that as much. And I know the legs get tired, the season drags on, you're going through tough stretches. I get it. If the Sharks had had a better power play, I don't think that eight-game losing streak happens. And maybe you're not looking at a 2 nothing deficit in this game that turns into a 3 nothing final off an empty netter. You might be able to be in it where a, an overturned goal doesn't put an end to the night. Here's Tomas Hurdle on the power play. When we look back, you know, we always been like top two power play, you know, in NHL, and it's for sure frustrating, you know. You know, we almost, you know, lost in the league, we know that. And I think we had a couple of good looks, you know, against Arizona even tonight. We should we should make it play, but you know, we have to see a little better. You know, it's that's why we lost today because we we lost the special teams. You know, it wasn't five and five; it was a special team game. You know, and and especially against team like that, you know. You you just have to score some power play goals because we don't score for a while. It's tough to win games when other teams scoring power plays and I don't know that. No lies detected, right? I mean, if you're given those opportunities against a team as good as Colorado, you have to maximize or it's not going to end well. This was a special teams game. The five-on-five play was good. They were defeated on special teams. The Colorado power play performed 
The Sharks did not. And I know it's frustrating to look at solely one aspect of the game and focus on that as if that's all that matters because I know there's obviously a lot more that matters. There's a lot more that happens over the course of the game. They should create more opportunities five on five. They should make more things happen at different points of the game. I get it. But the difference in this game was special teams. And the power play for Colorado got it done, and the Sharks didn't. And I'm not even saying that the Sharks had to win the special teams battle in this game. But if they had scored one goal, if they'd been able to put even a seed of doubt into the minds of Colorado, it might have been enough to have changed the dynamic of the game. I'm not saying it would have been enough for the Sharks to have won the game, but you're not looking for that specifically. You're looking if the Sharks could have given themselves more of an opportunity to get back into it, more of an opportunity to put the abs on their heels, more of an opportunity for anything. But again, when you don't capitalize on your power play, when you go 0 for 4, when the other team goes 2 for 4, and you're staring up at a 2-0 deficit for the majority of the game until an empty netter gets bagged, it's not going to put you in a good place. Being on the road and chasing a game is the last place you want to be, especially when those two goals that you're chasing come two minutes apart in the first period. But another thing I do wonder about is how this team is handling the younger guys coming in. The fact that they are looking at this as a time of evaluation versus a time where everybody has to step up and try and push to the playoffs because they probably have to live with the fact that when they were supposed to make that push, they didn't. And I'm not saying that as a pejorative. I'm not saying that to rag on these guys or anything like that. That's just the reality. They had their opportunity and now the young guys are coming in and getting their opportunities because the playoffs are not happening, barring a miracle. Tomas Hurdle. Yeah, you know, we you know we know because Bugila kinda told us and and you know I think they did a pretty good job, but you know, uh, you know, we try to help him as possibly how we can, you know, because it's a little bit new, you know, like you kinda changing all over, but I think the young guys did a pretty good job so far, you know, and we got got some, you know, Good, you know, skilled players and uh, for future and and you know I think our, us, you know, I think me and other guys we still like have have to help them a little more. But I think they they did a good, really good job and and work hard. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably goes into some of the culture that the Sharks have been trying to build this year. The idea that it's about you know standing up for one another and in standing up for one another that means being there for one another and for these guys that are veterans now, like your Tomas Hurdles, they remember what it was like when they came in and they were one of the youngest guys in the room. Same thing for Logan Couture. Same thing for Timo Meyer. He's not that far removed from it. They know what it means to have these guys be there for them and help them build their games. It also creates more of that camaraderie that I think the Sharks are trying to build in light of how disastrous it seemed during the 2019-2020 season. And I still try to look at that year as an aberration. And I, I think it also was a little bit overblown. I don't think there was a lot of contempt in the dressing room or anything like that. I don't think guys were upset with each other. I think it was just the weight of expectation and the fact that the Sharks weren't getting it done and guys were trying to do things individually. I think that had more to do with what we were seeing and what we've seen since in terms of the idea to bring the culture back. Cause I think they want the guys to know that they don't have to do it on their own. I mean, sure, there are certain instances where individual players will go above and beyond and do incredible things, but I think the Sharks' culture is also about that team mentality. And hopefully that's one of the things that's being instilled in these younger guys right now while they are getting their opportunity, that it is not just about them, that if they are better, the team is better. And outside of the two power play goals that the Avs scored last night, I thought that overall the Sharks' veterans, the Sharks' younger guys, 
played a pretty good game. It was just tough to create any offense, and it's that much tougher when your power play isn't doing anything. There's Tomas Hurdle on the inability to create anything on offense. Yeah, I think so. We, we did like a pretty good job, you know, uh, you know, for sure, you know, the two power play goals kind of kill, like, you know, that was the game. But I think we can spend more, a little bit more time in Ozone, you know, especially against the top top lines, you know, and f- against because they don't want to play down there, you know. And every time we get down there, we get a couple of good chances. But I think we, we have to be a little heavier and stronger and, and spend a little bit, you know, in Ozone because when he's playing in D zone, you know, after the you know, penalty is coming and, and it's it's get hard, you know. So I think we can do a little better job in Ozone. And wear them down. Yeah, you got to wear them down. And I think that Hurdle walks away from this game with a bit better idea of what the team needs to do tonight when they take them on again. I mean, we're talking about maximizing the season when it looks like you're not going to be having a deep postseason run or any postseason run. What can you do in this two game series? You can tell these younger guys, okay, what did we see them do so well against us in game number one? How can we respond and do it better? and create more opportunities for ourselves in game number two because these are like mini playoff series, and you want to get these guys used to the idea of adjusting from one game to the next because that's what you have to do in a playoff series. It's back and forth. It's tennis, you know? It's serve and parry, responding, reaction, and you can get these guys into the idea of that's what it takes from one game to the next in a playoff-type situation, even if it is not a playoff series. But I will say this. Colorado is playing for their playoff placement. They want to hold on to that home ice advantage for the first round. So for the Sharks, they're going up against a team that's playing with even higher intensity, I think, than you might usually see as it's it's a little bit more of a high-pressure situation for the Avs, and they played like it. And hopefully that was a little bit of a wake-up call for these guys who are getting their opportunity, and they know exactly what type of intensity they have to bring from the moment the game starts. Because... If I have one criticism of the Sharks out of this game other than the power play, it's the fact that they didn't come out of the gates as hot as they felt they needed to. They came out, I won't say flat, I just didn't feel like the intensity was at the same level as the Abs. But again, different set of circumstances for the Abs than the Sharks. I do think it'll be very interesting to see what the Sharks do in this offseason, and that's kind of where I'm headed towards in terms of my curiosity because I feel like I do enjoy the evaluation and being able to look at some of these younger guys and get a look because it's, listen, the Sharks were a contender for 15 years. It doesn't last forever. And right now they're doing things a little bit differently so they can get back to that place. I get it. I understand. It's not our favorite place to be, but it's part of the process of team building. I do think though this off season, it's going to be interesting to see what the Sharks do and how they try and situate themselves to take care of some of their deficiencies. What are they going to do differently schematically? Who are they going to bring in? How are they going to get their power play to go from a negative for the past two years to hopefully a positive next year? How do they feel about Kojanash next year as the backup? How do they feel about Martin Jones? Do they feel that once they put Martin Jones in there, night after night after night, that that was what burned him out and saw a dip in his performance because that's been the case. We've seen Martin Jones get red hot. The Sharks ride him. He starts to cool off. You need a 1 and a 1A. You need to be able to get more rest for your primary guy. Can Jones be that guy? I think you have to look at everything that's happened this year in the context of a hockey season that was unlike anything else. I also think you have to look at it in terms of being the test. And did the guys step up? Did they respond? Did they play at the level you expected them to? Were they better? Were they worse? Martin Jones was one guy I was expecting to be better after all that rest. But then again, when he did start playing better, he didn't get any rest. And then I look at Eric Carlson. 
He came in a little bit of a step slow, and he had a groin injury early on, came back from that nicely, but did not show consistency over the course of the season, especially in an eight-game stretch when he needed him to be a game-changer, and he wasn't. And this is all for Doug Wilson and his staff to figure out in the offseason, and that includes Bob Bugner and his staff. They've all got to figure out how to maximize the talents that they have. Another guy is Ryan Donato. I was expecting more out of him this year, and maybe it just wasn't the perfect fit for him in this year, but maybe they can make it a better fit for him next year because I always think that the best coaches and the best teams always figure out a way to put their players in a position to succeed. Is that letting Carlson be a little bit more of a rover? Is that changing the way you're using a Donato? Is that changing the way you're using a Meyer? I will say the one thing that they've gotten absolutely perfect is Evander Kane because he has been great over the course of the entire season. He's been the most consistent player for the Sharks, and he keeps on stepping up to the moment, keeps on coming through with the big goals. He's got 20 goals in 50 games this year. That extrapolates to about 33 goals over 82 games. And I think you might be able to add a couple more onto that because you would get guys a little bit more rest week to week, month to month, as opposed to the rapid fire style of play we've seen this year in terms of the scheduling. The season should be looked at uniquely, but it also should be taken within the context in which it was played. But looking back at the entirety of the game, I didn't hate it. I thought the Sharks played pretty hard. I thought they played pretty well. And you look at the five-on-five play, I thought they were pretty much right there with the Avs. The Avs were able to capitalize on the power play. The Sharks weren't. And that was what decided the game. And that's what's decided a lot of games over the course of the year for the Sharks, the lack of their power play to find the back of the net, to score those goals. If the power play was that much better, if I mean, if they were even an average power play as opposed to trending towards the bottom of the league, things could be entirely different. I don't know that they would be, you know, one of the contending true contenders in the league, but it might have you not go on that eight-game slide. And that's the disappointing part is that you see a problem like the power play that's really been an issue all year long. It hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse, and it's gotten worse, and it's gotten worse, and it's a trend that snowballed on itself. The Sharks at least did a good job over the course of the season of fighting back against their woes in the second period. That was something that I really, really liked. I think they found ways to get better responses out of their guys. Bob Bugner was pissed off about the way the Sharks did not respond to defend one of their guys in that game against Vegas way back when. And after that, the Sharks were a completely different team. An immediate reaction. The power play, unfortunately, has just gotten worse and worse. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all tomorrow morning. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.